Welcome to the Go Digital Jason Lowe Show, where I interview business owners and founders alike on their strategies in digital transformation and how they scale their businesses to the next level. If you are looking to grow digitally, then this is the podcast for you. Stay tuned for today's special guest as this podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. Unchanto is a global company headquartered in Singapore with operations across 14 countries. Through its proprietary SaaS products and strategic partnerships, the company helps brands, retailers, online sellers, all the way to warehousing players and logistics companies to better equip themselves with best-in-class e-commerce capabilities. Joining me today is Mr. Vihab, founder and CEO of Unchanto. Hey there, Mr. Vihab, a good morning. Welcome to this show, man. Very good morning, Jason. Thanks for having me here. I think this is one of my earliest interviews I've done ever since, like, you know, the whole COVID situation hit and all <laughs> and whatnot. So, yeah, very glad uh, for you to be on the show. So, I personally have been involved in uh, all kinds of e-commerce businesses for the past two to three years and whatnot. So, definitely, I know uh, who Anchanto is. But, I mean, maybe for the listeners out there that is just starting to dive into e-commerce, maybe you can explain a little bit of what Anchanto is or what do you do and stuff like that. Sure, definitely. So, first of all, Jason, really appreciate giving me this opportunity to be on your podcast. Anchanto um, is uh, is a Singapore headquarter uh, software as a service company. Uh, what we do as a company is we build software for managing e-commerce backend operations. So that could be uh, managing your online selling across multiple channels, such as your own dot com store or your official stores on marketplaces or your shopping shop, uh, as well as your omni-channel retail. Uh, we have a second platform called Vario that does uh, logistics and warehousing management. So the use case here is, let's say you're a mid to large size logistics companies or a distribution business. When it comes to e-commerce, you require a very purpose-built software to pick, pack, and, and ship those products uh, to your customers. So at Enchanto, we build the software. We support our customers. And of course, um, we add new functionalities based upon our learning and experiences in different markets. Uh, as a company, where we are today is we are presenting across uh, seven different locations. So Singapore is headquarter. Malaysia is our key market. Uh, we just started in, in Vietnam now. Anchanto um, has been present in Thailand, Philippines, Indonesia, India, and uh, South Korea and Australia. Those are our, our key markets as of now. Right. So uh, I read through some like history of Anchanto like, and things like that, and I realized that it started about around 2011, if I'm not right. It's almost a decade now, right? Trying to go into and dive into like, the e-commerce industry and whatnot. So, so what made um, you to start it in the first place? Was it at 10 years ago, I'm, because Malaysia, if you're talking about 10 years ago, is still considered very infancy. I'm not too sure about Singapore, but was the first place you started immediately from Singapore? And what made you felt that oh, e-commerce is definitely going to be the next big thing, even across Southeast Asia and so on? Sure. So what made me start Enchanto is uh, uh, I come from a very, very uh, entrepreneurial family. So grandfather started logistic business back in India, my father grew that business. I took a bit of a detour to, to do engineering and then worked with a couple of companies in India and then worked with a French software company here in Singapore. Uh, there was always an ambition to start something from scratch. Um, I've been seeing that around uh, since my childhood. 
Um, so when the time came around, I had a, a close to 10 years plus industry experience. Uh, that's where I decided to, that's just a good time to, to start a business now. Uh, that point of time, uh, so it's about early 2011, right? Um, I started to see uh, a shift in US and Europe where uh, most of the, the high street retailers, as well as some of the distribution businesses, they were strongly considering e-commerce channels like Amazon and eBay. Uh, so the thought process was that uh, e-commerce is going to grow. Uh, internet penetration will increase across the world and people will buy online because of sheer convenience that e-commerce bring to, to businesses, right? And when the businesses will go online, we, we, we thought that they will require tools and systems in place uh, to rip the benefits of, of this e-commerce uh, revolution that was upon us, right? So idea was to build a B2B software company uh, that helps businesses to uh, start their e-commerce uh, revenue channels and, and scale that globally, right? Uh, we started with that, that as a vision that a lot of businesses will require backend systems. Uh, we started as a software company, in fact. Uh, you mentioned Enchanto is 10 years old, but we kind of consider ourselves as the uh, second incarnation of Enchanto, like uh, the second version of Enchanto now, which is four years old. So the interesting story here is that we started as a software company. Uh, we got first few customers here in Singapore, and we failed very, very badly. Uh, the software was, was not practical. It was developed in vacuum. Um, uh, the builders of the software had no experience of doing logistics and e-commerce business. Um, and, and it resulted into a software which was very slow to use. Uh, we lacked a lot of functionalities. We lacked a lot of ease of doing things. And the first customer feedback was, was terrible. That's where we realized that, hey, look, we can't develop software just by thinking uh, in, in, in that vacuum. We need a practical experience of, of running e-commerce business on our own. Uh, that's where we pivoted first time as, as a company. And we actually went into uh, building our own warehouses and buying our own inventory and selling inventory and shipping orders. And we did that for a good five years. In fact, I had a warehouse in Klana Jaya. And next to a stadium, I, I ended up renting a warehouse there. And we used to run warehouse in Singapore and Malaysia and, and helping online sellers, uh, retailers to actually do their e-commerce logistics. That phase of Enchanto gave us a great insights and experience of what exactly happens uh, in e-commerce backend operations. What are the challenges um, the digital team faces on day-to-day -day basis? Uh, how marketplaces react? Uh, and what are the constraints in which uh, e-commerce sales team and e-commerce operations team work? And while we were running those operations, we were still rebuilding our software. And when we rebuilt it from scratch, the result of that was fantastic. Uh, 2017, January, we had a great software completely rebuilt with practical experience. My developers were sitting in warehouse. I was coding a software in warehouse itself. So that was, that was awesome. <laughs> no, no garage. <laughs> no mother's garage there. <laughs> Warehouses. Singapore <laughs> to have your own garage. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and that's where we started the second phase of Anchanto in 2017. Um, we again pivoted uh, second time. So from we went from services company to pure software company. 
And today where we are is, is a software company uh, only. We don't do services anymore. Um, that's our past. That's our first phase of Enchanto. Uh, so we see ourselves as a four-year-old software company with, with a very practical, practically developed software through our practical experience of running e-commerce business on our own. So when you um, pivoted be beyond like the 2011 and you, you, get di you dive into the warehouses and things like that, so you're talking about Wario, am I correct? That's correct. That's our first product that we developed um, to, to run multi-warehouses um, where you can actually do a picking and packing of a massive number of e-commerce orders uh, at a scale. So for example, uh, DHL e-commerce in Singapore, uh, they have sizable e-commerce fulfillment operations. And that runs on a platform. So the entire, if you're uh, outsourcing your fulfillment to DHL e-commerce, or post Laju, for example, in Malaysia, or, or SNT in, in Malaysia, or if you're buying from, from Maidin, which is one of the largest halal business in Malaysia, um, every order of Maidin for e-commerce is picked and packed using that Vario software. All right, right, right. Yep. Uh, I, if you go to see like Wario uh, list of clients, you definitely see all the big brands are on board and whatnot right now. So roughly when only that you like went into Malaysia and you, or you expanded into Malaysia per se? Okay, so Malaysia, we kind of see as, as being a, a Singaporean company, we see Malaysia as our first next door market, right? Um, so we started uh, Malaysia warehousing operations around 2015. 14, 2014, yeah, around 2014 early. Um, we started, the initial plan was to outsource those operations to some logistics companies. This was in a first phase of Anjanto when we were still learning how to do e-commerce, right? But then we decided to, to set up our own warehouse. Uh, it was in Klanajaya, uh, next to a stadium. Um, and we continued that till all the way up to 2016 later. Right. So do you mentioned earlier on when in 2017, like another major pivotal moment comes again. Is that the, the current main uh, soft, software right now that handles like e-commerce listing, e-commerce store management and the store integration for multiple platforms, that kind of features? That's correct. So where we are today is actually where we started with initial intention, right? But we did a bit of a detour to do services. So today, uh, in 2017, um, we launched uh, our two products. So Vario is, is the, the warehouse management system that we developed first. Then in 2015, we started developing um, multi-channel sales management platform. Uh, we, we realized that Lazada was, was just coming at the peak of its performance. Um, uh, Zalora was, was there in the market and there were a lot of marketplaces mushrooming in, in Southeast Asia. So it was very clear that businesses will require to sell on multiple channels to reach to their target addressable market. Hence, we developed this multi-channel sales platform called Seller, and we launched that in 2017. How, how was it uh, during that, that phase, even in Singapore? Do, do you see like a very similar e-commerce landscape between like the two different countries since it's the first two countries that you guys attempted to venture in or is it not after handling things for a few years you find that oh it's actually rather similar in that sense uh the context is very uh, looks very similar at, at, at superficially right at the higher level but if you look at the nitty-gritties of malaysia market and singapore market are very different uh singapore is very small 
Um, Singapore uh, was already in a way had players uh, that can enable your logistic shipping. Uh, payment was never a problem in Singapore, payment processing. Whereas Malaysia was catching up. Malaysia was, uh, Malaysia is a huge market as compared to Singapore. Um, there are different dynamics of uh, shipping. So for example, in Singapore, you can do next day delivery or same day delivery. In Malaysia, that's possible maybe only within Klang area, but you have uh, West- The Klang Valley area, yep. Correct. Mm. But then you have a context of East Malaysia, West Malaysia, um, fulfilling order from, uh, from, from Klang to JB, same day is practically possible now. That time it was not possible. And payment was still very early stage. There was still a, a significant number of cash on deliveries were happening. Um, so it was actually different. Um, and also the market was more fragmented in, in, in Malaysia. We had multiple players that time, uh, early days, whereas Singapore was still like a, a duopoly market, which was mainly q and Lazada. Mm. Yeah, I, I do agree on that. You know, when my clients like advices, I, I come for me for advice or consultation on like, so which platform do I go? You know, there's so many. Do you go on every one of them? Because the competition is really even so fierce in in Malaysia, right? Like, like between Shopee. So Malaysia, the top one right now, they claim is Shopee. And then there's Lazada. And then there's a few more other players coming in and stuff like that. So it was indeed a challenge. I mean, for me personally, as a person who is giving services to my clients in e-commerce, it is definitely indeed a challenge at the time. Because my team, I to have like, even before like, uh, exploring cellular seller even exploring even the other solutions out there i need to have like a few personnel just to handle shopee a few personnel just to handle lazada and a few personnel to even handle their own dot com their, their brand.com website right and then and then they will miss things out when i tell you seriously i tell you even for people that have experience in e-commerce there will even be scenarios where you will miss miss certain things out and my team will miss this out miss that out the reporting is not integrated they have to manually pull the data from each platform, you know, things like that. So, so when um when th- these kind of solutions came up more actively, I think I only started hearing about cellular seller in like about twenty eighteen. I think that was my first um yeah my my first time seeing as oh does it does it work does it really work because you we were a lot of times traditional business owners are very skeptical to a certain extent, right? Like what if the sinking fail la, this la, that la? Because there were even a lot of like other players in Malaysia that attempted to do something very similar. And the results have been very chaotic. Literally the term I want to use is chaotic due to you just need like one wrong sink on an important campaign day and that that was it man <laughs> the whole thing cannot <laughs> the whole thing was just wrong this wrong that price wrong everything that people very scared so people go back down to you know very uh very safe manual approach at least they know all oh, this 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 work but i bet technology have come like like uh way way further even beyond before beyond 2018 and stuff like that right so we, we are definitely seeing a lot of very positive and good results in terms of this kind of e-commerce management kind of solutions and yeah i mean that, that, that's that's great because it definitely would give uh you know, traditional sellers more confidence into going to e-commerce and stuff like that at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So, Mr. Vaihav, right? Uh, so currently we are co- we've come to the uh, middle of the show, so we're taking a short break right now. Coming right back, I would like to ask more about you know Anchanto's aspirations and how to move forward in this post-COVID area, right? So stay tuned, guys. If you are running an e-commerce store in multiple platforms, then you are surely looking for technologies that can help you. Unchanto enables simpler, 
faster and more scalable e-commerce operations through their suite of solutions like Seller Seller and Wario, where they help you to transform the way businesses conduct e-commerce in the region. So find out more at Anchanto.com today. That is A-N-C-H-A-N-T-O.com and see how they can help grow your e-commerce businesses more intelligently. Hey, welcome back guys. You are tuning to the Go Digital Jason Lowe Show. And for today's episode, I have Mr. Bahab with me. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Anchanto. So Anchanto has like two main solutions now. One is a Wario, it's a warehousing management system, and another one is Seller Seller. So some of you might be more familiar towards Seller Seller because it's like an e-commerce management integration kind of platform and it eases your e-commerce management if you run various platforms in a in e-commerce space, right? Like Lazada Syncing, Shopee Syncing, your own brand.com, and this would definitely give much more ease of use for people ahead. So, Mr. Vaiha, I would like to know, right, so currently we are being faced with a, <laughs> a huge pandemic. It's not a cigarette anymore. Everyone's like really feeling the brunt force of it. And and when, when in, I'm, I'm not sure in Singapore, but in Malaysia uh, in particular, when the whole thing just hit in April, and the government just told everyone to shut their stores off. Like, yeah, you, no one's going out. You know, it was so strict at the time. And then suddenly there was like a huge influx of like e- uh, people wanting to go e-commerce just like that. Suddenly, oh, I, oh, I suddenly I want to go e-commerce already. Suddenly I want to do this, suddenly I want to do that. And you realize it's so hard to, to, to enable traditional businesses online. I mean, for me, it was hard to go and serve, because I'm in a service line, it's very hard because I, uh, the only way I can communicate with them to go online is even through Zoom. I need to ask them everything through Zoom and they themselves that time, hey, when, when, when it started, right, so many people don't even know how to use like all these video conferencing properly enough yet, right? So, so the challenge was real, like getting information was real. Everything was really tough. But in Malaysia per se, we did see an increase of people suddenly taking it more seriously. Like I think Mr. earlier on, Mr. Vahab, you got mentioned that there was a period of time there was like a huge surge of interest and they just uh, died down, right? But but now <laughs> I think the interest is there. Then everybody, okay, 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 how, 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 you know, they're putting more effort here. Uh, on on your perspective, like, you know, as CEO of an e-commerce software company, well, what do you see in the trends happening, you know, during the COVID-19 and stuff? It's a great question, man. It's, it's probably the broadest question that you asked me so far. So, uh, COVID has been, um, I would say, very rude wake-up call to many businesses, uh, small, uh, medium, or large. Not only businesses, but at, at a lot of individual level as well, right? Uh, it has kind of shaken the whole uh, humanity in a way that uh, it has put us in a, in a darker corner. Now, the trend that we see in e-commerce, right, because of COVID, um, there are a few trends. Um, the first one is, of course, everybody wants to do e-commerce now. Right? Um, the second trend is that, yeah, but not everybody knows how to do e-commerce properly. Um, that's that's we see very commonly, you uh, know, in, in a market today, and, and mainly in Malaysia context. Uh, there is another very significant trend, and, and I want to touch base on that is about F&B commerce um, because uh, of pandemic. Uh, I think. Everybody has become very sensitive about spending, uh, about jobs. Uh, there were a lot of people scared that they may not have their job uh, when the pandemic is over. So people people become very sensitive about spending money, which is which is right thing to do. Um, but they still had to spend on essential products like buying milk, buying your groceries, buying your essential right at, at home. 
And that has given a huge boost to this new branch of commerce, what we call FNB commerce. So people able to sell their essential products online, not only on marketplaces, but like platforms like Grab, for example, right? Or, or Food Panda. Uh, that has picked up massively. Um, the percentage of that before pandemic was almost nothing or single digit, but now we see that uh, there's a huge surge. So that's, that's one very significant trend that we see. The second significant trend that we see in terms of retail and, and mall businesses is that uh, everybody has kind of thought now that if you have a, from a context of a mall, right? Uh, what has happened that people used to, in the past, people used to go to mall to buy fashion, right? But today people are not going to malls to buy, buy fashion product. People are going to mall to eat food. So kind of food has become new fashion now when it comes to retail context. Uh, in the past, uh, the main fashion outlet or main department store in the mall well, the main, was the main crowd puller. And now that's no more a crowd puller. What is really crowd puller now is your uh, food outlet. Right? People mostly want to enjoy that. That has led to a lot of mall redesign happening uh, because malls were not designed for dispatching e-commerce order. Uh, individual stores were not designed to dispatch e-commerce order. Now, if you go to a random mall anywhere, which has a food outlet, you see a lot of incoming uh, delivery riders and, and a lot of them going and there's a lot of congestion there. So we see in the retail space, there has been a, a big push to redesign stores to make them much more smaller. So you can service fixed number of customers and also to create an area for e-commerce operations inside a mall. So e-commerce distribution from the mall or from the retail store has picked up a lot, much bigger than what it was in the past. That's the second significant trend, trend that we see uh, as, as been fueled by, by, by pandemic. A third thing that we see that, of course, the uptake of e-commerce on, on brand.com or, or a business.com website, uh, as well as on marketplaces has grown significantly but for specific categories, not for every category. So if you see a uh, 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 cosmetic with the colors like lipstick has gone down, but same time, a skincare product has, has, has gone up significantly. Um, products which are more than close to 80 or $90 price range here in Singapore, a product which are above 100 ringgit in Singapore uh, on marketplaces or dot-com websites, their sale has gone down significantly. What is happening now is that people are buying, but people are buying with a lot of thinking that do I really need to spend this money? And even if I'm spending, I don't want to take big risk because I don't know if I will be able to use that or not. And I need to save my cash. So certain categories has gone back significantly and certain category has grown massively and that has kind of filled up and leveled up. In fact, a bit on the up, upper side of it. So all in all, e-commerce sales has grown, but in a selected categories and not, not in every category. Uh, fourth trend that we see is that a lot of businesses are now has opened up to the concept that they need to go digital. And here we see that certain businesses are doing this out of desperation, which is understandable. And certain businesses are taking this, hey, look, this change has happened. This change is going to stay here. Even post-pandemic world, 
people's habit may not change and go back fully to what it was before pandemic. So I need to build a very systematic and structural approach to launch my digital channels and digital business. It's very clear, certain businesses are, are very thoughtful and certain businesses are, are doing uh, e-commerce uh, channel building out of desperation. Uh, fifth trend that we see now is that overall logistics and cost of shipping has increased. And Malaysia market, right, which is very sensitive and which is also cross-border focus market. There's a lot of cross-border that happens from Europe into Malaysia, as well as from uh, China into Malaysia and from Malaysia into Southeast Asia, right? The cost of cross-border has gone up significantly. Uh, those are the main trends that we see, which were not present uh, before pandemic in the in the market. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm still digesting like all, all five trends that it's going on, and and if you put it in in that perspective, I I mean what what's great about uh, coming from you, right, Mister Vihav, is that because you're in the business, you know, you you see it. The, the, the data, the numbers going through and it's not like some random person telling me their opinion and I look at a guy, you know, even in e-commerce why are you even giving all these kind of opinions and stuff like that. So I I, I, I mean, I resonate well with some of the points you mentioned, especially uh, even when you brought in the first point, right, F&B commerce kind of things. Uh, when the pandemic started, I was actually in also a similar F&B kind of project. There was a food court owner you know and he wanted to digitalize his food court and stuff like that and he read he his uh woes to me at the time was that it felt very fragmented even in the fnb delivery space in malaysia because you yeah especially worse is like uh, the food courts if um you if you want to get like grab food or food panda onto a food court it's not too possible because each of the stall has their own account and it would be like super... Imagine the food court has like 40 stalls and each stall has their own account and the riders are coming at the same time. <laughs> the worst is the food... Of course, for a food court operator, they, the money doesn't even get channeled into them first. You know, it, it goes to them. So that's what the food court owner don't even want. And, and I mean, there are so many food courts in, in Singapore and even in Malaysia, you know, you have big brand food courts and food, food republic and so on. So, so it was a huge challenge at the time. So I was kind of in there to like do some consulting on how we can... Me manage this whole thing but definitely it's not uh, something a small company can do or even a food court company can do so it was really challenging at that time but what was interesting for me was at that time was like like what you say is it's real in terms of fnb commerce it's similar with a few years back when uh, local retailers or players have like all the e-commerce platform issues. Wow, I need to manage Shopee, la, manage Lazada, manage this, manage that. Ooh, four to five platforms. And then if the, the person is not like tax heavy enough, you have to hire younger people to run it. And the younger people also doesn't mean they know how to run e-commerce, right? <laughs> so it was the very, it was super similar with F&B, right? When I approached a few stores and I asked them like, hey, why aren't you even on the, the food delivery platforms? Because, okay, because during when the real MCO hit, do <laughs> I say the real? I mean the full-fledged MCO hit in Malaysia. They literally had no one, you know, like literally there was no business, and they're not even on food delivery platforms. And they are, they are, their answer to me very funny, and they tell me something like, "Oh yo, who who know how to use those app? Or I need a food vendor system. I need a grab food system. I need a a deliver aid system. I need so many system." And then they to them it was like so mind-boggling because impossible. Each branch got one, so they totally had no idea how to move forward. Literally no idea how to move forward. It, it was only beneficial for single, sole, solely owned 
restaurants or cafes per se. If you have like chains, franchises, or oh, the, the owner gone already, or the local companies, the local F&B delivery companies here at that time, right? I do not know now because I'm no longer consulting the project. I do not know now, but I definitely do see a need, for example, <laughs> seller, seller for food, right? <laughs> like it make, totally makes sense for people to just use one thing to sync to everything. But I'm, I'm, I bet the integration and everything is definitely not straightforward too from there, I guess. Yeah, it's not. And and if you look at F and B commerce, right, it's instant. Yeah, instant. Uh, correct. Any want it now. Yeah. Must want it now. Yeah. So people want their laksa now, right? They don't want to yeah. wait for two days. <laughs> Definitely. So capacity planning wise, F and B commerce is is much more complex. And inventory wise, right, you know, in in like goods based e commerce, you can plan your inventory and stuff. Here you are. Here you are producing. It's like just in time production and then selling it, right, and then fulfilling. And the it was even more painful for businesses, which were not on uh, the grab food of the world and stuff, right? Uh, let's say if he's a, a mid-sized business selling essential product in the neighborhood, now that business requires a mechanism to receive order from their customers and then dispatch those order and find those delivery drivers. So we see that there is, there is, uh, those businesses face a lot of challenges. Uh, coming back to the conventional e-commerce, right? Um, there are certain businesses which we which we saw that they put in place a great plan. And in the past, before pandemic, those sort of businesses would require months and months of planning and execution and a huge team formation. But because of the pandemic, every retail store was shut down. So it was a matter of survival. And so one of the examples of a customer to share with you here and your audiences is um, there's this Malaysian company called Waliram Group. Waliram is one of the high street retailers. They have a huge number of brands. So for example, they do uh, Bottom Body Works, they do Tory Birds, they do Rolex and many bigger brands. And uh, that the stores were closed and Waliram managed to figure out and, and go live with their e-commerce strategy within 29 days in the middle of lockdown when nobody was allowed to come to office. So how do you start a store? How do you connect your backend systems? How do you bring your entire inventory online uh, under Waliram 24 by 7? And that within a less than a month's time is, is uh, and we see there are many businesses that they managed to pull such a, such a massive achievement uh, because this, they really focused on it and executed on it. Yeah, um, I I know what you're talking about because I'm on Valiram's newsletter. <laughs> I've been getting all the campaigns. <laughs> so many campaigns keep coming in. I'm like, oh, very very active. Ah, suddenly, ah, they all. Valiram twenty four seven. Yeah, that's definitely the branding that they're going for. Because especially it's it's so it's especially harder for like a luxury group like Valiram. You know, they're considered a luxury retail group because people are not going out anymore. Like I I personally haven't bought any piece of clothing. For like half a year, you know, ever. Previously, like one month, I'll go shopping, you know, I'll get a few things, uh, bags or stuff like that. Watches. Uh, nope. Half year, nothing. It's just me and my t-shirt at home every day looking at the computer, right? <laughs> yeah, this pandemic, I only purchased this two t-shirts because <laughs> I have to get a bigger size. <laughs> but, but in Singapore, it's like, okay. Because, so because my wife is in Singapore and I frequent Singapore a lot. So I do know the amount of freedom Singaporeans actually do have across 
if you want to compare to Malaysia, you know, Malaysia it keeps coming up, you know, MCO lah, CMCO lah, ECMU lah, everything lah, you know, this and that. And then the cases in Malaysia is like getting really next level these days, you know, we hit 2,000 cases a day. That was like, I think last week yep. or something like that. But now, still 1,000 plus, still in the high four digits. And yeah, I mean, Malaysia do not know how things will look up very soon and stuff like that, right? Uh, however, an interesting point I think I, I would like to uh, talk about right now, right, is, you know, when we when we first came into the show, I, I said, oh, I'm still dealing with the 11-11 aftermath and things like that because we do see a huge surge of orders ever. A lot of people like to say, oh, 11-11 has been growing year on year and because of, like, the pandemic, when it hits, they were like, oh, it's going to be historical numbers ever, right? Is is that, a, like, a very similar trend with what you see with your clients in uh, in Anchanto's backend and things like that? Well, absolutely. So this was the biggest 11-11 we did. It was more than um, uh, twice of last year. More than year. twice. So- more than twice. More than twice. <laughs> and what was interesting is that the first one hour was was even probably more than two, three times than last year. The first one hour after the midnight and when the sales started. Uh, we see that uh, the, the, because we had the customers across Southeast Asia, right? The growth is across all the markets. In the past, there was like one or two markets that will perform highest. Um, but this time we see that the, the, the growth is, is very good and across uh, all the markets where we operate in Southeast Asia where 1111 is is is, is Australia 1111 is not that big. Uh, they don't celebrate for them. It's Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Just yesterday, right? Those... <laughs> just just few days ago, right? Exactly. So um, huge surge of orders. Um, we have most of our customer that manage to pull in capacity to to resolve to to pick back and and result into meeting the SLAs of uh, marketplaces for those amount of orders. Uh, which was great because initial worry was that in Philippines there was a typhoon uh, happening just around the same time. Um, there was still lockdown in few countries, uh, and we thought initially the workforce may not be available to pick back those orders. But um, most of our customers they pulled uh, a good plan to to support those workforces. Uh, what was also interesting is that last mile delivery companies, either owned by marketplaces or or independent last mile delivery companies. Um, they managed to build the capacity and execute uh, those orders uh, pretty well, considering it was in the middle of lockdown. Do you see a similar trend post-pandemic, or like I, we don't know what happened in twenty twenty one yet? But but do you foresee like you know the momentum of e-commerce onwards for the next three to five years? Will it go very towards like you know the five trends that you were mentioning, or do you see like a substantial maintenance? With the amount of numbers and things like that in the future and beyond. Sure. So I think, uh, I, and I really hope that this pandemic mess is really over very soon, and I'm able to travel to to <laughs> I want to travel to. Out of these five trends that we see, uh, certain trends will stay here forever. Uh, I believe that pandemic has changed people's habit, and some of these habits will stay forever. Um, some trend will adopt, which are linked to uh, unit economics. So, for example, when the commercial flight starts, uh, there will be much more higher capacity available for 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 freight or e-commerce, and then the cost of cross-border shipping will reduce. Uh, other than that, I think what 
people are used to now, the convenience that people have enjoyed because of this lockdown that will stay there. And, and, and generally people have learned to save time on buying groceries and lodging that back home um, and saving that time for, for, for a movie with family or Netflix uh, or spending that quality time. Uh, what we also see, and, and it, it came in a very uh, detailed discussion that, uh, that was happening over last weekend, um, in, in Asia, right, in Southeast Asia, uh, kind of many generations stay together in the family or nearby. Even in Singapore, right, you know, your parents are staying next to you. Because of pandemic, a lot of men have realized that the amount of responsibility that their wife have to run the house. And they started to appreciate that. And I was talking to a friend and he said, hey, look, I'm, first time I saw for months that what my wife is doing or what my mother is doing every day uh, to run the house. And I want to help her um, because during the pandemic, I helped her. So I think that will stay there and people will be valuing the convenience a lot so that they can help their partner or their mother or, or, or their family members. Uh, those things will not change. Uh, those will stay back. Um, people uh, buying food online and enjoying that with a movie or family, I think that will stay forever. For, for, for a very long time, a large percentage will stay back. Um, that's that's my assessment about the post-pandemic world. So um, what, what would be Anchanto's plans be? Okay, so I think the correct question would be, before pandemic and post-pandemic, did it affect like Anchanto's five-year plans moving forward? Uh, yeah, so actually, um, we got a kind of business that, uh, so pandemic is bad for, for all of us combined together, right? Uh, however, being in the e-commerce space, however, being in a, in a space where we provide a technology for businesses to do e-commerce, we have benefited a lot from pandemic uh, to be very, very, very uh, transparent on this. Uh, we have got so much of tailwind that we signed a deal that we never imagined in the past that we'll sign in 2020. So our, our business plan has uh, accelerated for, I would say, at least a one or two years. Um, so... It has benefited in a positive way. It has definitely changed our business plan for, 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 for good. And uh, we will continue uh, that. Uh, our 2020, 2021 plan is probably a one year ahead of what we planned initially before pandemic. Oh, but that's, that's great to hear, man. So hopefully, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, I, do, I do agree. The pandemic's definitely not good. But I mean, it's great to hear that your, your company is actually... I'm not uh is able to to help the people right I, I look it more at the angle where you guys are in a position to greatly benefit traditional businesses or even bigger companies that wants to continue to grow in this digital space and hopefully make the impact lighter because of uh the pandemic and things like that right so yeah I think yep yep so I think yeah Mr Bai, I think this was a, a great conversation right right uh I, I learned a lot. <laughs> you shared a lot of insights from your company. So I think at the end of the day, I think yeah, I hope this episode will definitely benefit all the listeners out there today and whatnot, right? So yeah, Mr. Vap, so sadly we've come to the end of the show, but I think we've talked a lot of like necessary key points, you know, trends. I think that was a very uh, interesting to hear from you. So yeah, thank you very much for your time again on this show, Mr. Vap. Jason, uh, it was it was an honor to be interviewed by you. Really appreciate you come from domain. You have a very practical insights and. Uh, <laughs> so really thoroughly enjoyed this this conversation and i really uh, once again thank you very much for having me on your show 
Right, no problem. All right, guys. So tune in next time. Uh, this is Mr. Vahab from Unchanto. Uh, see you next time, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. Production by Rainworks Studio with my friend Chinta. Music by Ofnil Naga and yours truly. Enjoyed this episode? Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform for more. This was Go Digital. Jason Lowe.